But this morning, I want to start out talking to you about the love of God. And, and I'm not going to immediately go into my title because the way that God gave this to me is God set it up beforehand with talking about His love. And His love, the love of God, is the foundation for what God wants to build into our spirits this morning. And the love of God loves me anyway. There's a song by the Sidewalk Prophets that talks about He loves me anyway. And you can put whatever you want into the space of why God should not love me. And to us, those may be valid reasons. He should not love me because I'm this, or because I've been this, or I've gone through this, or I'm not this. But whatever you want to put into that space, it does not matter. None of it matters. He loves you. He loves me. And no matter what the circumstance, he still does. It wasn't just that, that first time that I repented and I asked Jesus into my heart and he filled me with the Holy Ghost and he loved me so much then, but I've messed up now. No, he still loves me anyway. You and me, no matter where we are, no matter where we've come from, no matter what we've done, we are loved by God. And the love of God is, the Bible says, lavished upon us. So it's not just, here, you get a little bit of love. It's not, it's not like whenever you're a kid and you really, really want something sweet and it's, it's almost time for supper and mom and dad have been telling you, you can't have anything sweet, you can't have anything sweet, you keep on, you keep on, and finally your mom or your dad's like, okay, you can have a little piece of this. It's, it's not like that. It's like when you go to grandma's house and you want something sweet and it's just before supper time and mama's like you want a piece of cake you want some ice cream you want some cookies you you want what 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 can i get for you my my grandma because i was always a little skinny kid and so momo key was always afraid that i was going to be sickly because i was skinny and that, that was just her thing if you were skinny you were probably sickly so my snack that she got for me is she would take some dark Cairo syrup and she would pour it in a plate a plate and she would put some butter in it and she would put it in the microwave to melt the butter and then she would give me some bread either so just some white bread or some rolls or some biscuits and I would sop that up and, and and I would eat it until it was all gone you know and and that was great and then I was wired you know for the rest of the day so she'd do that right before she sent me home and, and you know, put meat on my bones and a lot of sugar and off I'd go. It's that kind of lavishing that is the example of how God gives his love to us. Not just a small piece, not here you can just have a little bit of my love, but an overabundance. And we are both the recipients of and the object of God's love. The book of Romans, we're going to start out today in chapter 5. I'm going to go through the first 11 verses. And here's what it says. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also, by Jesus, we have access by faith into his grace 
wherein we stand. We can't stand here except by His grace. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not in my own hope, but in the hope of His glory. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation, trials, things we go through, worketh patience. And patience gives us experience because then we know I've gone through this and, it, and I had to have patience to get through it but after I got through it then I have the experience that God has brought me through this and so experience gives me hope verse 5 and hope makes me not ashamed so if I'm going through something I don't have to be ashamed and look at people and say yeah I'm a follower of God but I still got problems I can say yes I'm a follower of God and I still have problems but he's brought me through this one so I know he's gonna bring me through this other one I have hope I don't have to be ashamed that I'm going through stuff I have hope and so hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us for when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died not for the saved for the ungodly for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet preadventure that means maybe for a good man some would even dare to die but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us much more than much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more being reconciled we shall now be saved by his life and not only so but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. The love of God is shed abroad. How? In our hearts, says verse 5. In our hearts is how the love of God is shed abroad, which means whenever I go to the gas station and I look at the attendant that's standing there behind the counter that I'm going to pay for my Dr. Pepper or whatever I've gotten, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart, which means the way that the love of God gets to them may be through me. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts and that by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us, not earned, but given. And this passage is where God directed me to start. Those first 11 verses, and I read through it, and I put it in my notes, and I just happened to glance down. So if you have your Bibles, glance down to verse number 12, which says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. It's exactly where Sister Donna was last Sunday and where Brother Bruce was Wednesday. By one man centered in in by one man sin entered into the world but before that passage is the love of God because he knew that we were imperfect he knew we would need his love and God directed my thoughts to start here because he is building today on what we have heard this past Sunday 
this past Wednesday and from several weeks ago whenever Brother Bruce talked to the ladies on a Wednesday night. This place that he has led me to is right where he's been speaking to all of us. Verse 8 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, knowing us in our sin and every sin we would ever have the potential to commit, he still died for us and he still loves us. So we have his love that's given to us. But we as humans are so very quick to be afraid of losing what we have. If we've been blessed with a good job, there's constantly in the back of our mind, what, what if I lose this job? If we have a brand new vehicle and we're driving down the road and it starts to make a noise, oh no, what's going on, what, what, what's that? We, we as humans have a tendency to be afraid of losing anything good that we have. That's just our nature. Yet God has us covered here as well. In the same book, three chapters down, in Romans chapter 8, in verse 38, he starts and he says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So not only is the love of God given to us, not earned, but given, but also nothing can separate you from the love of God. It is forever. It is forever. Yet it goes even deeper than that. None of those things can separate us from his love. No person, no entity, nothing can separate us from his love. However, there is one thing more dangerous to us than any other danger that we face. Me. I am more dangerous to me than anything else that could be outside. Because see, while nothing can separate me from God's love, I can choose to turn and walk away from it. Because the Holy Ghost is a gentleman. He is never going to force His love on us. And so if I want to hold Him at arm's length, He's not going to push my arm aside. He will continue to reach for me but he is only going to get as close as I allow him to come. And most times, even not consciously, if we are not vigilant, the possibility exists for us to let our love grow cold. Any of you that have ever been in a relationship or, or in a marriage know that if you do not communicate, if you do not constantly try to keep the spark alive, that it's very easy in a human relationship for love to grow cold. Because a lot of times as humans, we feel love as a feeling. And whenever there's not the warm butterflies, then we don't feel like we're in love. But love is a choice. And it is a verb. And it is an action. It is something that we do. But if we treat our relationship with God in the same way, I feel love now, I don't feel love, and we, we don't take active participation in trying to keep the love alive every day, then we can let 
God's love grow cold by us slipping away just just a little bit further I didn't pray as much as I did yesterday I didn't I didn't read as much in the word as I did yesterday and I take just a little step but then I come to myself and I realize I'm not as close to God as I used to be and God didn't move he did not move I did so how do I keep tabs on making sure that I maintain my relationship with God first John chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 he that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoso keepeth his word meaning God's word in him verily is the love of God perfected hereby by keeping God's word hereby we know that we are in him whenever we keep his commandments that's how that we know we are still in him when he keep we keep his word and later on in first John chapter 5 and verse 3 he says for the love of God is for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous that we keep conscious choice conscious decision not something that automatically happens we choose to keep his commandments and they're not grievous they're really not despite how much that somebody may aggravate aggravate you thou shalt not kill is not a grievous commandment you know you, you may sometimes feel burning rage but don't kill him the Bible says don't kill thou shalt not kill the Bible says thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart all thy soul all thy mind all thy strength that's not a grievous commandment Whenever you look at each and every one of the commandments in particular by itself, none of them are extremely hard if we are trying our best to stay in the faith. Now, does that mean we're going to be perfect? Probably not because we're human, but we can still try to be as perfect as we can be. Jude chapter 1 verses 20 and 21 says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life and that's our key for this lesson verse 20 building up yourselves and so today is a call to one thing being instructable instructable you may not think that that's a word I promise you I did not make it up whenever God gave me that word I was I was over there in the prayer room whenever God put that word into my spirit and I had to look it up because I didn't think it was a word I, I knew what God was saying to me but but I didn't know if it was actually a word or if it was you know just something but I went and looked it up and sure enough it is an actual word and it has a very simple definition capable of being instructed or taught instructable able to be instructed and that is what God wants to put into our spirit today it's a fundamental concept it's very basic but but just stay with me because it's something that God wants to speak into all of us today See, we, we've talked 
over the last couple services and going back to the Wednesday night lesson that, that Brother Bruce taught to the ladies, we have received instruction on men being men, on women being women. We, we have received that instruction. And so today, I am here under the unction of the Holy Ghost to emphasize to you that it is important what you do with what you have been taught. It's very easy for us if we hear something and we agree with it to simply agree and dismiss it and not take it and see, does this apply to me? It's just, yeah, that, that's good, and we drive on. Or, on the opposite end of the spectrum, if it's something we disagree with, then it's very easy for us to say, I don't think that's right, and drive on. But the fact remains that if we have been given instruction by God, whether we agree with it or not, it is something that we should pay attention to because it's something that God has provided to us, and so we should take part of it in. We don't just sit and listen to sermons or read the Word of God to no effect. It's not there to be a feel-good placebo for us to take some of it in and then go on about our lives. The Word of God, and I use the term the Word of God here both to refer to the Bible itself and to the sermons and lessons that we hear coming across the pulpit, they are not like a medicine. A medicine is something that you take in hopes of it making you better, but most of the time, the medicine that you take in, you don't reach inside you and do anything with it. You just take the medicine and you drive on and try to do your best and hope the medicine's gonna fight whatever it is that's making you sick. The Word of God is not that way. It's not something that we hear and we take in and then we go on about our lives and hope that it makes us a better person. That's not the way that it works. We, we are here to receive instruction from God. That's what a church service is for. It's for strengthening and it's for instruction. God is here to teach us. The book of John chapter 14 and verse 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And not only to teach us, but also for us to then do. Because the book of James, chapter 1 and verse 22 says, But be you doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because it really is self-deception if you come to church and you listen to the Word of God and you never think about that sermon or you never think about the scriptures that were talked about any time after that. God gave us a word on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or on an off night. On, we've got camp meeting coming up and we'll have services every night. Those sermons are things that God has imparted to us for a reason, not for us to just sit and be entertained or check off a box and say, I went to church today and I heard a sermon. Remember the parable of the talents. One was given five talents, one was given three, and one was given one. And the master said, I'm going away, I'm giving you these talents. And in those days, a talent was a measure of something. So 
the, the first servant was given five talents or measures of silver. And he was instructed to take them and use them, put them to use, and, and gain more. So one servant was given five, one servant was given three, one servant was given one. And the master went away and he said, whenever I come back, then we'll settle up and I'll see how well you did. And so the one that had five, once the master came back, he said, look, you gave me five. I, I've done all this. I've bought and sold and I've gotten increase. I've got five more. Boom, there's ten. Ten measures of silver. The one that had three, he said, likewise, I've also doubled mine. Boom, now you got six. And the one servant that only had one measure, he said, oh, master, I know how careful you are in business. What he was really saying is, I know you're a penny pincher, and I was afraid to lose this money because I figured if I did, you were going to kill me. He said, I, I know how careful you are in business, so I took this and I hid it. And so nobody could take it. And now that you've returned, look, here you are. You've gotten back what's yours. Nobody took it away. And the master said, you're a wicked and a lazy servant because I gave that to you for you to use it. Even if you had lost it, if you were using it, it would have been blessed and it would have been multiplied. I would have still been with you even if you messed up. But because you took what I had and you just put it to the side and did not use it, then you're going to be cast out into outer darkness. And we, we talk about that parable a lot of times in the talents and the abilities that were given, but what about the word of God that we're given? What about the instruction that we're given over a pulpit or, or through a, a YouTube video or a podcast that we hear the word of God? Those are still things that we're given and that we are then held into account for what we did with them. We have been given instruction from this pulpit as men and as women. And today God is going to build upon that and talk to us as families. Our part is to be instructable or teachable. We must be willing both to be given instruction and then to do what God says. Because, see, we've talked about how Christ loved us. And men are to love their wives in the same way. And likewise, we're also to love our neighbors as ourselves. By the love we have for one another, the world knows that we're his disciples. That's what the Word of God says. And it's not just that the love is given to us, but it must be able to make it through us into others. Because we started with the love of God is lavished abroad in our hearts. And so we must love as Christ has loved us, and not only each other, but we've also got to teach our children as well, as Christ loved us. God's love is unconditional. However, because of the love of God for us, God does not just love us and leave us. Why does he give us his word? 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That means it's good for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. If you've been part of our adult Sunday school class, we've had 34 lessons on the Beatitudes and they are instruction in righteousness. And they've been phenomenal. But if we just 
say, oh, we were part of that class and nothing about the way that we lived our lives changed, then we've done nothing with all that that God imparted to us. He doesn't just love us and leave us, but he loves us enough to instruct, to correct, and to reprove. So too, our love for our children, for our spouses, must be unconditional. But in allowing him to love through us, we must also allow him to instruct, correct, and reprove through us. See, I can't just be my children's friend. I am their parent, and this is the role that God has given to me. Inasmuch as he is our father, I as a man must be the same thing to my children that he is to me. And inasmuch as the church is the bride of Christ and the church nurtures and instructs the body in, in righteousness, so too my wife has to be to our children and to our family. We as parents have responsibility in training up our children. Proverbs 22 and 6 gives us that instruction. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's not just a good proverb. It is instruction. We use that verse a lot, but does it also not reflect how God views us? Train up a child, me. God's training me up in the way that I should go through his word and through what I have heard. So then by his love, he trains us up and we must then train up those that are given into our care. As much as I would like to say yes to their requests and often do, there are also things to which I must say no. I cannot, I will not, you will not. And I must help them learn about God and about the things of God. And I must help them differentiate between that and the things that are not of God. And it would be much easier if the whole world followed after the teachings of Christ. But they don't. In large part, they do not. And since they do not, there are places and things and ideas that are not good or are even dangerous to myself and to my children. And just as I want God to protect me from the hand of the enemy, so too I must protect my children. There have been times over the last couple of years, and, uh, and I was going to use examples, but I, I will spare my children this time. But there have been examples where my kids have done things that I was extremely proud of as a parent because they made decisions about the things of God that just blew my mind. It's like, yes, that, that's absolutely right. That, that's what I want you to do. I, that's, that's amazing. But they would not have made those decisions if I and my wife had not instructed them in righteousness because they can't just get instruction on Sundays and Wednesdays. They've got to get it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all week. And what happens in our youth rooms and in our kids' church rooms is reinforcement for what we have put in them. You know, and I've used this example before, and it bears repeating. I am so thankful for Brother Mason and Sister Kimmy. I am so thankful for Brother Kevin and Sister Holly because of today's society we need youth pastors and kids pastors but they are not biblical 
there's no youth pastor in the Bible. There's no kids pastor in the Bible. There are no Sunday school teachers in the Bible. Because all of those things were supposed to be taught in the home and reinforced at church. But because of the way that the world exists right now, we have so many that come to us that, that have nothing. And they, they, have, they have nothing of God. And so I am so thankful that God has given us Sunday school teachers and youth pastors and kids pastors because we desperately need them in the world that we live now. But understand that was supposed to be the responsibility of every mother and every father on the face of this earth to have instruction in righteousness at home. That's what we were supposed to do. I am required of God to teach my children the ways of and the things of God. Now, does that mean my kids always get it right? Nope. They have to have correction from time to time. Do I always get the things of God right? Nope. I have to have correction and reproof from God. I have to be instructable just like I want them to be instructable. Now, most of y'all know if you've been around me for any length of time, you know that I love science. Science is my thing. That, that I love science, love words, but, but I really love science. And I could talk all day long about science and space and black holes and quantum physics. And I, I love all that stuff. It's, it's so much fun to me. Something about it fascinates me, and it's something that I've read much about. And to me, the nuts and bolts of how the entire universe works is just amazing. I, I don't see science and faith as being opposite ends of a spectrum. I see science as digging deeper into the how to further experience the awesomeness of just how fearfully and wonderfully this whole world is made. However, there are things in life that I do not know nearly so well. One of them is poetry. I can write a song, I can make you up some lines that rhyme, but things like alliteration, iambic pentameter, couplets, refrains, stanzas, blank verse, enjambment, onomatopoeia, sonnet, voltas, those are all things that a poet would know about. I have heard those words before, but the vast majority of those words in that list I have no idea what they are. I don't know. I'm not a poet. There are terms I've heard, and, and a few of them I could kind of explain to you a little bit about what they are. I may not know their definition exactly. I could just kind of, kind of give you a general idea, but I don't know them. I am not a poetry expert. I've not learned about it like I have of science, and that's okay. I like some things, some other people like poetry and, and could tell all about that stuff. However, if I were an English teacher and made the same claim about knowing more about science than I know about poetry, then we have a problem because that's something I'm supposed to communicate and teach. And if I don't know it, there's a problem. I can't do my job. In the same way, I cannot teach my children the things of God if I only know the terms and I'm only familiar with some of the words because I heard them at church, but I have not learned them for myself.
because I've not been digging into the Word to find out, okay, that thing that was said Sunday that, that sparked a chord in me, maybe I need to go back and read that passage for myself on my own time and let God speak to my heart. So if we're to speak the truth in love, like Ephesians 4 and 15 says, then we should also instruct the truth in love. If I cannot teach what I do not know, then I must make certain that I do, in fact, know what to teach to my children. Right back into Romans, the same book which we started, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That tells me that if I want to transmit my faith to my family, to my children, even to my co-workers, to my extended family, to the people that I meet, I must first have faith. And I get faith by hearing. I get faith by hearing. I'm not necessarily hearing this. I'm hearing what comes over this pulpit. I get faith by hearing. And the ability to hear comes from the Word of God. So I have to first be in the Word of God to know what the Word of God says. And that will give me the ability to hear, not physically the ability to take in sounds and transmit them into words, but the ability to say, that means this to me. Just like we talked several weeks ago about you can come to a church service and you can hear a sermon and the person next to you, y'all can go home with completely different things and completely different understandings of what was said because the Word of God will speak to you what you need to know. It will make up the difference. Whatever lack I have in the words that I am saying, God is still able to communicate into your spirit what you need for today. And so we have the ability to hear, the ability to take in that thing God is trying to say comes from us being in the Word of God. Hearing comes by the Word of God and then faith comes by hearing. So I've got to read the Word of God for myself and have it hidden down deep in my heart like David said, that word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee before I can adequately hear what God is saying to me. And then I must choose to hear in order that my faith may become a part of who I am and what I know. I cannot instruct my children or anyone else in faith, nor lead my wife in faith, if I do not know the faith which I profess to have. I cannot minister Christ to my co-workers and friends unless I know the faith which I profess to have. I must learn to heed instruction, not just to hear, but to pay attention to instruction and then to follow instruction. I must learn how to give instruction in love. And this today is not a jump up and down shout kind of, of message. And like Brother Mason, he, he said, you know, he was wanting to do something with an object lesson and something encouraging, something fun for our adult Sunday school class this morning, but that's not where God led him. God's saying, no, 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 you're going over here and you're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about being bold. We're going to use the example of casting demons out. And, and that was, our lesson was not on casting out demons, but that those were the scriptures that God had given him to exemplify being bold in your faith. And that was where God took us this morning in first service. 
And likewise, I wanted to have something encouraging and uplifting because we've had, you know, Sister Donna walked all over our toes as men. Brother Bruce walked all over everybody's toes as men and women with his two lessons. But today, God said, no, now I'm going to bring it all together and say, you as parents, as grandparents, as guardians, as people that are in jobs and positions where you are over others, and there are others that, that you interact with on a day-to-day -day basis, you are responsible for instructing those under your care in righteousness and communicating the love of God to them. But if you don't know it for yourself, because you have not been listening and you have not been reading, then there's nothing for you to communicate. You can only talk about words. So this morning is a call to action, a call to listen, a call to pay attention. Your homework for today, I'm giving you all homework. Your homework for today is to pray about what sermons you have heard in the last few months and is there anything that you have missed that God was trying to tell you ask God if there's anything that I have missed that you were trying to, to speak into my heart whether you've only been living for God for a week or you've been living for God all of your life I want you to pray God is there anything that I should have taken recognition of that I just let slip by if if you would God bring back to my remembrance that sermon and then go back on Facebook or on the podcast and listen to it again with the intent of I want to get everything that God is saying because I want the instruction of God to be able to speak into my heart and into my life if you would stand with me this morning what I'd like to do this morning I want to end the service this way if everybody would if you would make your way to the front as families if you've got your kids with you if they've been sitting somewhere else get you get your kids with you if you're just a couple then come as a couple if you're by yourself and you've got some other family get with some other family but I want to pray over all of us as families we have the responsibility for our families. We have the responsibility for the things that God has given us. And I want us to be instructable for God to be able to give us instruction. And what we're going to pray today, I'm going to pray, but as mothers and fathers husbands and wives uncles aunts or just friends if you've got no other family here then partner up with with a friend that's okay Joel I see you in the back you can come up here with me come on buddy Ella you can come up here too but I want you to pray as mothers and fathers as husbands and wives as I pray I want you to pray that God will give you instruction that God will open your eyes to the things that you need to say the things you need to correct the things that you need to reprove in your own life and in the lives of those put under your care
you would bow your heads with me. Let's pray together. God, we come before you. Oh God, I pray for your anointing and for your instruction in my heart and in Michael's heart as we lead our family, as we lead Ella and Joel. God, instruct us in righteousness. Help us to take cognizance and recognition of all that is said in our hearing so that we can instruct our children so that we can lead our families, that we can lead our friends, we can lead our co-workers. God, let not one word that you say to us fall to the ground and be trampled on. Let us not lose one thing that you've said to us, but help us to hold fast to the instruction that you give us. And I pray, Lord God, that you would give us instruction in righteousness, that you would bless our homes, that you would bless our families. I pray your anointing and your protection over every mother and father, over every husband and wife, over every child. I pray your anointing over all of us, Lord God, that you would use us for the glory of your kingdom and let your love be spread abroad through our hearts into the world around us, into the places that we have been positioned. And we will give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, 